We haven't really had a summer this year. As you may, I had, I had as you may Yeah, there was there were hailstones the size of golf balls. Uh, there was torrential rain followed by half a day of of sunshine. Uh, there was just yeah general muggy sadness. So uh, a typical <laughs> a typical <laughs> a typical London summer, if I'm honest. Um, oh, you're wow. looking well, looking healthy, skin glowing and dark, fine boy, no pimples. We thank God. We thank God. Um, it was a wonderful break. It was a needed break. It was a break which I had no choice in taking. Uh, my wife may have actually looked elsewhere if I didn't take this break. Um, but it was glorious. It allowed me to really recalibrate and restructure and, and think and spend time with people of great value. Fantastic. And that is going to be the topic of another episode, I'd say. There's a lot that we could delve into there. As always, when it comes to these types of conversations, we 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 start talking about the podcast before the podcast. So um, listeners, beware, we're going to do an episode on the importance of refueling. Um, I also want to say hi to the listeners because been a while it's been a couple of weeks now and uh, that has been in part because we both needed some time to recharge uh, and get ourselves back into the service mindset and we also wanted to take some time just to think about how best we could add value and I promise you we've got a lot of value to share over the next couple of weeks some really interesting discussions uh, this one being almost a flagship discussion to kick that off. But as always, when we when when we delve into these types of discussions, we want to make it current. So I want to talk about this week in business and something that everybody might be feeling or noticing. I definitely am. So I went to the supermarket yesterday. I went to a large Tesco and noticed there was no cheese. And this seemed very strange to me. It actually... It actually reminded me of going to Nigeria when I'd go to a shop and I would ask for a specific ingredient or a specific product and they'd say, oh no, you've got to wait till next week because we don't get that in until next week. And being in a Tesco supermarket and actually seeing that there were actually aisles which were very bare. And this is different from last time, because last time when the pandemic kicked off, there were bare aisles, but that was as a result of people just hoarding random stuff like toilet roll. This time around, it's because the products just aren't there. It's because there's been issues with supply chain, primarily because a lot of lorry drivers are falling um, sick due to COVID or other illnesses, which means that freight, logistics are all being impacted. And as a result, we are seeing bare supermarket aisles. And I wish that was the the only thing. If that was the only thing, I think we could probably live with it and um, get on with it. But this has a knock-on effect on other things because that's what's happening in front of the scenes. But, in, but behind the scenes, ingredients for um, critical medication, uh, it, it, they're in short supply. We're seeing Nando's run out of chicken. No. <laughs> um, so there are entire ecosystems. There are restaurants who are unable to actually deliver as a result of this shortage and other companies having to increase their prices as a result of short supply. 
So for business owners out there, you're probably feeling the stretch already, or you probably have been for a very long time, but now it's coming to the fore. All of this coupled with inflation yeah. and the the thing which hasn't really disappeared, which is the pandemic, it has made life more challenging um, for a lot of people, um, particularly people who were struggling pre-COVID. It's, it's something we have to be sensitive about because it can seem for many of us as something which is almost trivial, or oh, I can't have X today. Um, but that X may have been someone's all. I think it does help us to be really sensitive as to times are changing and we all should have an interest in our world, which controversially almost sounds as my way of saying we should have an interest in politics because the actions of a few are going to influence many. Yeah, and it's just not an easy time to be a business owner right now. As you said, if you are a business owner, I don't think you have a choice not to be interested in the decisions made by the people above us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my word of encouragement to business owners at this time is focus on what made you successful, focus on your customers and be very, very communicative with them at this time. Explain to them the challenges that you're experiencing, explain to them the measures that you've taken in order to address those challenges and Try to give them some sort of optimistic vision of the future. When we do return to uh, a more stable time, how will your customers benefit? So that that would be my my word of encouragement to, to anybody who's either in the midst of the challenge or sees that challenge on the horizon. Get active in communication with your customers so that they are brought along the journey and understand the challenges that you're facing. What about you, Afolabi? To those who are budding entrepreneurs who are just stepping in or are tentative and really curious, in, in every famine, there's an opportunity. Mm. And, the, and the last two years have highlighted many opportunities um, and many have gone almost unnoticed because the people who have been prosperous have almost been secretive as to how they have been. But we are seeing problems and problems cry out for solutions. So yeah. if you are a solution-oriented person, if you've seen a problem, where could you help? Where could you serve? What could you offer? And that, for some, um, will shift their life and those around them. And, and it's, it's on that note that we actually are introducing someone who has stepped in and has offered real value. Um, we, we start this new season of Expensive Lessons episodes with a incredible man. And I say an incredible man first because when I think about him, I think about his purpose and I think about what he's driving. And I think it's his purpose which has made his product and his brand really successful. Um, he says he's very busy, which is a positive thing because there is huge demand and huge scope for growth. Um, Today, we are blessed on Expensive Lessons, uh, the podcast where uh, business owners, entrepreneurs share the fruits of their labors, but also the lessons in their journeys. We are blessed to be joined by Pratchik Adam, who is the founder and CEO of Very Puzzled. Now, if you haven't heard of Very Puzzled, you may have actually seen them, and we'll get to that very soon. Um, They are shifting the narrative, particularly when it comes to the perception of Africa and the perception of children's toys and what this could encompass. Now, that is my very butchered, layman way of explaining 
who Patrick is and what he does, I'd like to introduce Patrick now to officially explain what is very puzzled. Patrick, how are you? I'm very well, uh, Afal Abbey, and thank you. And also, Abby, good, good to be here. Um, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, so for us, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as saying I'm the CEO, I'm the co-founder. So the other founder is, is my daughter. She's nearly 10 years old now. So um, she wouldn't forgive me if she listens to this back and I haven't mentioned her name. So um, she, she's definitely um, very much on board and in the business. Um, and, and really, um, our purpose is to um, provide quality time for families. So at the moment, we have a range of jigsaw puzzles, but we want to extend that range. Um, and... I just saw when my daughter was growing up, there wasn't a lot of toys that really um, represented her and her background. And so I wanted to do something to address that. Um, but, but the whole idea is, is it's not toys per se, but it's more we're too engaged with screen time and we don't maybe have the thing where we might sit down and have a meal together um, or we might just, you know, spend half an hour on hour, just even if it's playing like Connect Four or Ludo or, you know, just you know, Scrabble, just the things where we just sit down and breathe and connect as a family and as people. We're just, we're so busy on our phones and other tablet devices. Um, not to say that I'm against technology, but I just feel, you know, there's lots of research and it just says like the first five years are the most critical in, you know, in a person's life. Just, you know, that's where a lot of your learning and a lot of, you know, who you are get structured. And I could just see even for myself, like, I'm just not paying attention to my daughter. And it's like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is like, this is so important. This is gonna, and so it just kind of took me back and it's like, actually, what can you do? And so, you know, we went out, we just bought lots of like glitter, glue, just lots of things that we could do activity wise and just sit down and just, you know, constantly do stuff. So it's like, as much as I could keep her away from screens and I could communicate with her, then it was like, that's to me, that was parenting. That's, that's what I could do, you know. I might not be able to take you to Disney World or, you know, have the most expensive house and all the material things, but actually we can sit down and I can actually show you, you know, um, yeah, just, you know, my, my care for you and, you know, what you mean to me. And that's the most that I can give you more than anything else. I, I think it is that purpose and the fact that you've actioned that purpose, which has meant that so many people admire your brand. Now, before we get to how and why you actually actioned it because many parents have felt the way you feel but they have not built very puzzled um before we get to that which is really really important where is very puzzled now for the listener who hasn't actually heard of you um where could they find you um what have you done where are you so we're based in the uk so i live in the uk and that's where um we predominantly sell um in the uk but um, verypuzzled.com is one of the first places they can go to. So um, they can find us on there. And then on all of the social media platforms, it's uh, at Very, Very Puzzled. So those are the two key places. Uh, for listeners in the UK, we're stopped in John Lewis, um, which was, you know, uh, a great success for us. In the US, North America, we're on Amazon.com. Um, and then in Ghana, we've got various outlets also in Nigeria we're in a few outlets we have a distributor there and we recently had a distributor in South Africa as well but we've got small independent shops across Europe as well and Canada and America so yeah just reach out to us on at veryverypuzzled.com I'm very very puzzled on Instagram and we will reply and kind of connect you with you know distributors or stockists that you can go to 
Now, Patrick, you're a very humble man. And, and that's why I wanted people to actually understand where Very Puzzled actually is. Um, now, I want us to go back before we get to how you got to those places. You actioned that need. You identified that need, like many parents, but you actioned it. Talk us through that. What happened there? How did you go from, let's get the crayons out, the glitter, the, the card, to let's create puzzles? Um, it's an interesting one. And I think I've had, I've had like maybe privilege in, in certain ways where, I, you know, I had quite a steady job at the time that I was paying well and I was getting like quarterly bonuses and things. So, um, you know, other people might not have had that kind of financial footing. So I was quite insulated in a way so I could take risk as it were um, and I could get started I had thought about lots of different other businesses and I had started things in the past that I didn't wasn't really focused on um, I think it maybe it was one of those things where they say people tend to run a marathon like in decades so when they approach in their 30s or when they approach in their 40s when so I think there's that decade milestone and I think I was just coming up to like my 40th and it was like okay if you want to do something, you just, you have to do something, right? Like, you know, you're going to, so I think in the back of my mind, subconsciously, that was there, but it was just lots of different facets. And it's hard to explain because part of the whole rationale for starting was my whole thing was win, lose or fail. By doing this, my daughter gets to see the process. And to me, everybody always talks about the process. And, and so it was more like, she could see this guy struggling and like the ups and downs. And it's kind of like, if this guy can do it, I'm 10 times better than him. <laughs> like I've got his genes. I've got my mom, you know, I can definitely kick ass. And if you, so I kind of wanted to instill that in her as well. So part of the rationale was you're almost, yeah, like you said, like you before, like acts of service and value for me, it's like, it's almost inc inconsequential. What I do is more given her. Cause I, I didn't want to be, you know, the parent, Oh, you can be anything you want to be, or, you know, work harder. Or, you know, it's like, because nowadays kids do look at you and they call you out like, yeah, I don't believe that. Like, you know, I can't see you living your, your purpose or you fulfilling your dreams. Like, what are your issues? Like, yeah, you, you can't get that past that. You can't just give her the talk. You, you, you have to walk the walk. And so it's like, okay, this is how I could do that. But then also, you know, I, I had ambitions, you know, to, and part of it was like, yeah, you can earn a good salary, but actually you could start something that, could earn you 10 times that salary in a year. So what do you want to do? And, you know, give it a shot. Like, and, and like you guys say, there's, there's been expensive lessons along the way, but um, no, I, I just thought I could do it. And I thought it can't be that hard. Like, you know, it wasn't a, a, a deep tech business. It wasn't, you know, that I needed lots of fun. I just thought you, you want to make a puzzle. You know, you need to get the design, you need to find a manufacturer. There was really simple steps. And I thought, actually, you can action this. And, and part of my thinking was, oh, you know, you can go into the shops and complain. You can post about it online and complain. You know, you could ask Disney to do it. It's like, but why? Like, why should they make money? Like, you know, you could have a business here. Why don't you do it? Like, you know, give it. So that, that, was, that was the idea. And, and actually, I saw Fuse ODG had the Hello Nana dolls. Um, and I saw a few other small bit. And I thought, actually if he's got a successful music career and he's kind of divested some of his money, his attention and his kind of, I don't know, credibility to doing this, then, you know, why is it that you can't also do something similar? So, yeah, I, I just took heart and strength from what he was doing and thought, yeah, there's, 
there's a niche here that that could be um yeah could be beneficial i'm hearing a lot of principles here i'm, I'm hearing someone who had had a solid foundation in terms of your career prior but someone who had dabbled in entrepreneurship beforehand um and it's i'm could almost infer that you may have done so to become financially free, to increase the number of streams of income. But what really impresses me is that you fall into that bracket of entrepreneur who, whose service meant more than the profit. When you spoke about, irrespective of what was happening, my daughter was seeing you go through this, to do this. The, the value that it was in, depositing in her far outweighed the monetary value that could have come from the business. And oftentimes I group entrepreneurs in terms of those who are great at being accountants and profitability. I almost put myself close to that bracket. And those who have a genuine act of service, which almost by default becomes unbelievably profitable. But that wasn't the objective. It was the act of service. It was what they were trying to achieve, which was akin to so many other people. Um, I can imagine Abby has got so many things that he wants to ask because you said a great deal there. Um, it links to many of our previous episodes in terms of do it now, identifying opportunities. But yeah, this is going to be a great one. Abby. Yeah, so many, so many gems to unpack already. I think there's a lot of implicit value in what you shared in terms of you say, it, say things in a very nonchalant way. But there is a lot that can be pulled out of it, even just the idea of you wanting to demonstrate entrepreneurship and demonstrate value, add to your to your daughter um, and understanding that she's like a sponge and that she absorbs all of this information and you're providing that that influence. And on top of that, the ability to outdo you in the future, if you give her a springboard then the potential is that she's going to take what you've done and run with it. And I think that's something that people of our generation don't necessarily do as much as we should. I think is a very, we, we live in a very, unfortunately, me-centric generation, which doesn't necessarily give as much thought to the next generation and how they can take what we're doing and, and propel it. And I want to talk about the message of Very Puzzled because we've talked about the practical element of focusing on um, giving your children non-screen time and allowing them to be present in an, uh, a kinesthetic environment. But there is actually also a very pertinent underlying message in a lot of the very puzzled toys that you've shared. And um, I don't want to, to delve into that. I'd just like you to potentially give us a little bit of insight into um, maybe some of the more social and cultural messages that you share through Very Puzzled? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you for that. So, I mean, parents look at our products and primarily think, oh, this is educational. This is really great. Um, for us, just my experience of just my own daughter and just from me when I was younger, I kind of get turned off when I hear, oh, I'm like, I've, I've been to school. I'm tired. I don't want to like try and learn again. So we try to make it really fun and engaging and vibrant. So kids just have fun because what I've learned of my daughter is like, they learn by default when they have fun, like the learning comes along, they, they will pick up so much tangible, non-tangible. You don't have to worry so much about that. Just, and I think when the pandemic started, people were like, oh, we're gonna have to homeschool. We're gonna have to like really, and those other things. And I just saw like, you just actually just wanna make sure that they're okay emotionally. Like don't like 
forget about trying to homeschool them. Just make sure that they're actually okay and actually cope. Like, I think we, we always, and especially for African parents, like we're the worst, right? Because we know all the like the struggles and all the, you know, you've got to work twice as hard, you know, we're always trying to like, and it's like, actually they get it, but you just need to make sure that they're emotionally secure and just happy in themselves. Then all the, because you can't build, or they can be, as competent emotionally as, as as educationally as possible, but actually if they're not also emotionally, you know, stable, then that doesn't necessarily help. So I always try and give that to parents, but also on our puzzles, we make it fun. So it highlights not just, not just the geography of a country or a continent or a place, but it also highlight like the notable people. So we try and feature people from different professions. So whether they be, you know, uh, sports people, musicians, you know, actors, um, politicians. So we try and call out, you know, key people. So for the Nigeria map, for instance, we would have people like Fela and then Sade. Then we would have uh, Del Gote and then there was a, a female billionaire in Nigeria. But then we'd have um, Chinamanda, um, uh, no, Chinamanda Achide and then Chinua Achibe. So, and we always try to make it gender balanced. So for every male, there's a female counterpart. So we just want to make sure that children see themselves reflected and it's almost like a sort of an affirmation so they could see okay today I'm going to be strong and brave like Anthony Joshua you know he's like me he's from a similar background as me or I'm going to be creative like you know Chinamanda she's like me she's a writer so kids can kind of see inspiration people that's not just looks like them but actually this person's from my ethnic group or this person's from you know a similar part of Nigeria as my parents or so they can really kind of hone in and be like you know and it's not just like the whiz kids and the burner boys we want to have it broad so that children can see actually i don't just have to be aspire to be a musician that's a great profession but actually i can be the manager or i can be you know the doctor so we kind of give them that broad perspective and then they can also hone in on their other parts of their culture um the food the quiz yeah and and so forth um is patrick adam on any of the maps yet no, <laughs> um, I don't think I've quite made it to put myself on, on the maps. Um, and no, I mean, yeah, we want, we want to do, we also try and highlight people modern and in and, and the past as well, but uh, not at the moment. We did a land, London map and that was more, um, we started off, it was, it was quick, it was just like a flippant idea. We wanted to put like a grime MC in each borough and just like make it a bit fun. But then again, we thought, want to make it gender balanced, but we also want to make it, you know, like having Ildris Elba or um, Diane Abbott. So you've got people from different, like I said, different professions and different things. So again, it's 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 more about fun. So you, you do it with your child and you say, oh, you know, this is Stormzy. Do you know any Stormzy songs? Okay, then you might put on a Stormzy song and then you might go away and, you know, you might do some further research. And it's really just to try and get them have like little projects at home and stuff. And mm -hmm. a lot of our initial early adopters and our early customers were homeschoolers because they kind of get that and they can build a curriculum around these things. And what I'm trying to do now is to create that curriculum so that every other parent that maybe, you know, don't have, doesn't have the time or the aptitude can kind of engage with their children further through our products. And, and so the product is really just a way to spark a conversation. So sometimes you might have like a grandparent you know, maybe they don't speak great English and maybe they're like, you know, they're from Nigeria or Ghana and through the maps, they can then start to talk to their grandchildren. Oh, you know, this is where I'm from. This is what I did when I was a child. This is when I came to the UK. And some of these conversations where we're not having or we're missing and we're kind of trying to build that bridge, that generation gap. 
I imagine people listening will have questions around production. Like, how did you go about making these puzzles? Questions about distribution, questions about how do you get into John Lewis? But before all of that, what's the reception been from people who have engaged with your product, both from the um, customer to, to the business? The reception has been really overwhelmingly uh, positive and I'm really humbled um, and appreciative because the way I look at it is our time's very, very precious and people use our products to spend quality time with their loved ones. And so for us, it's like there's a million and one things that they could be doing. So we're really, really humbled um, and appreciative of that. Um, just in, in, and what was the other question? <laughs> So, um, so the customers, you shared how the customers have responded. Um, what about businesses? How, how have they responded to, to Very Puzzled? Because uh, I imagine you are very different to what they have seen before. So that's uh, a balance at the moment. So we initially approached Black-owned uh, businesses in, in the UK and predominantly in London that you know I could just drive to, show them the products and things. Um, and they were really receptive because, you know, that's the community that they cater to. Um, and so, you know, they, they got it and they were happy to try it and see how it went. So that was really an easy sell. It was like um, going to the, my own community, they were welcoming and, and really um, supportive. So that was no problem. Um, getting into the likes of John Lewis and other shops, it's more tricky um, and trying to really extend the brand and, and get out to shops that aren't owned by black people is more of a challenge um, because I guess they've got a perception of, you know, how many of our customers are, you know, African Caribbean? Also, is this something that's going to sell? And, and my thinking is the products aren't just meant for strictly African and Caribbean people. You could be white English, white Irish or whatever, Italian, and still want to buy our products because you want to obviously engage your children and teach them about the world around them and kind of there's still, you know, stereotypes and things. So it, it has been a challenge um, to get into some of those other shops. And we're still plugging away and we're still trying. Um, and we'll continue to try and, you know, get into the likes of Tesco's and Sainsbury's. Um, because for us, what we found is if people see the product, then, you know, they buy it because it's at the price point where it's £12. It's not a huge expenditure. Um, it can be an impulse purchase. And we've had, you know, one Nigerian lady, she went into John Lewis in Welling Garden City. And she was just like, she emailed me, she's like, oh my, you know, I can't believe I saw that, you know, I, I bought two. I've told all my family and I'm going back to buy more. I just wasn't expecting it. And I saw it and I was like, you know, my, my youngest, I think she's like six or something. They really liked it. And even my 13 year old got involved and it's, and that's the kind of heartwarming stories you, you get because you, you just, you aren't expecting it. It's not something that you, but you see, it's like, oh, wow, why have I not seen this before? Why, you know, why has this not been available? And it's, there's so much value in terms of, you know, the conversations you then have with your children and just the whole sense of pride that you could actually see, you know, yourself reflected and, you know, you know, given some, some prominence. And, and so, yeah, we really, and so for us, it's really getting to the attention of more people in a, in a cost-effective way, because yes, we could get into the attention of people. We could run ads on TV, but <laughs> you know, one, we can't afford it. And two, would a return on investment be worthwhile? So that's our, mm -hmm. that's our problem at the mo moment, being able to, get the attention of more people. Listening to you is, is evolving my definition of an entrepreneur in that I'm, I'm now seeing that an entrepreneur is able at uniting people and that the greatest entrepreneurs unite the greater number of people in that you've tapped into something which is a, a feeling felt by so many um, 
but you produce a solution to it. And because of that, they, they want to spread the word. They want to actually say, someone's done this for us. How do you not know this? And for that reason, I, I see no ceiling for Very Puzzled because it is, it is truly incredible. For, for those who are fascinated by, okay, he had this idea and then he actually set out to execute this idea. How do you go practically product-based from having the idea of I'm going to make a puzzle to actually making a puzzle? Yeah, there's a few different steps along the way. Um, and it's been a few years. So if I try and dial back and remember what I did, I had a number of ideas. Um, I had like a card game, a top trumps card game. And then I thought about doing like a, a subscription box service for families that would have different products. So socks for dad, you know, you know, face cream for mom and a book for kids, that sort of thing. So if you're like a black family, you just buy, I don't know, 20 pounds a month and then you will just get a number of like products from black home businesses to make it easier for you so you don't have to think about it. This was before, you know, COVID or George Floyd and it became more popular. Um, but no, I, I, was, I was at a cousin's wedding and I was speaking to a cousin and I told him about the card game and his face went blank and I was like, yeah, I've lost him. It was like, within like 10, 15, the elevator pitch. And then I, I mentioned a jigsaw puzzle idea and then he lit up and like, and then I saw, okay, yeah, that's the one. Like he, he automatically got it. And I'm like, okay, that's the one I should focus on. And um, thankfully I, I was on some websites and I saw like a really um, vivid image of Africa and I managed to get in touch with the illustrator and I asked him, you know, if I gave you some more items to, you know, redesign it, would you do that? And he said, yeah, fine. So we, we went ahead and did that. Um, I had kind of heard about Alibaba as like a platform um, to get things made and, and kind of manufactured. I, I initially went to a UK company to get a sample made because I really wanted to like physically hold the puzzle and have it real. Um, and so I got that made and I actually played it with my daughter. I didn't tell her that was mine or anything like that, or just, again, just to get her like raw natural reaction. Um, and she liked it. The quality wasn't great um, and the cost was just way too high. So um, initially on Alibaba, it was real. It was a real challenge because there were a lot of manufacturers, but they were all like, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, minimum orders like 10,000 units. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to try something. <laughs> I don't have that kind of capital. I don't know if it's got legs. Um, and then some were like, okay, we'll do it for a thousand. I finally found one that was like, yeah, we'll do it a hundred units for you because I just wanted to try it. So I got that first 100 units made. And then um, prior to it coming out, like three, four months before I was um, set up like their website, their social media accounts and things. And I was posting, um, I reached out to like a few black shops in London to see if they'll be interested. Um, and then when I finally got hold of the puzzles, there was actually an event at the Africa Center. So I went there and I saw like 20, 25, and the organizer, she had her own platform. And so she took like another 10 or something, maybe wholesale. Um, and so by the first weekend, I think I'd sold about half already sort of thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, this has got legs. I think this will work. And then, um, and then I mean, I, I had different ideas. I'd, I'd go for walks and think, how do, I, how do I scale? How do I leverage this? And it was, you know, you could kind of continue to iterate on the Africa puzzle and just do like different topologies and have, but then I was like, no, people are going to get bored of that. And then, so I decided to, you know, hone in on do maps of different countries. And then it was funny because um, I kind of just took a spreadsheet of like the biggest population in Africa. So it was like Nigeria, Ethiopia, and um, 
But actually what I found was Jamaica outsells all the other countries. And so it wasn't the size, the population wise, obviously I think through the wind rush, there's like a bigger Jamaican population in the UK, but also I think they've got a bigger influence in terms of like sports and music and culture and things. But it was just, it was just one of those good lessons that I learned basically. And like, you know, actually, yeah, the the Caribbean diaspora are really patriotic uh, more so than maybe some of the African. So just the, yeah little things that we learned but yeah that, that was basically how how I got the products physically made so um working with the manufacturer and it was all basically via email and back and forth um getting the samples done testing it making sure that you know it worked um it, it was interesting it was scary um and I think I reached out to like my my, my brothers and my cousins and um because at first I wasn't sure should I do it because it was I think it was like a thousand thousand five hundred to get the first batch made um and they were like oh yeah no we'll we'll chip in like yeah and then I was like yeah that comes with the extra headache of you guys I was like okay I can do it myself <laughs> and then maybe maybe because I'm greedy and, and that's where I am now maybe I need to open up to um co-founders and and um investment maybe but um yeah I just feel like maybe I'm onto something special and I want to for as long as possible kind of hold on to as much of it as possible um but also I think with you guys having working together, you know, you can spread the cost, spread the risk, kind of spread the, the workload and stuff. And that's a problem that I, I, I have at the moment. So that's something that I need to try and address somehow. Um, so Patrick, you mentioned that you had a stable job previously and jumped ship into, into entrepreneurship. What were you doing before? And uh, have, have, have any of the skills that you learned in your previous nine to five kind of helped you in your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so I've pretty much worked um, in IT. So I worked as a consultant, implementation consultant. So I'm typically working for uh, a company that produces software. And I'm basically helping their customers uh, get to grips with the software and, and use it and implement it in the right way because they buy you know, a piece of kit and they're not sure how to use it or the best way to go about using it. Um, and instead of them spending ages learning it and setting it up themselves, they, they you know, bring someone like me on board to basically help them set it up, make sure that they go about it in the right way. So I, I am still working. So I still do work uh, nine to five. So um, I will typically maybe like from half six to eight, something like that. I'll try and get off some emails, like plan what I want to do in the evening. And then in the evening from five onwards, then like five till nine, 9.30, I will then, you know, again, get fire off some emails, kind of do, you know, business stuff and things like that. So um, I'm not sure how sustainable that is because that's not something I want to be doing, you know, <laughs> forever because it's, it's, it's not tiring because you're fueled by your passion and you're fueled by, you know, what you're doing, but also it, it is, yeah, it does take up a lot of energy as well. Well, I just want to say congratulations. I mean, we've talked about some of your accolades and some of your success, and they are notable. But I didn't realize you were doing all of this part time. Yeah. And I think for, for that reason, yeah, it added um, just, yeah, accolade on, on, on from my end. I think that's incredible to see something that both Afalabi and I can resonate with. Mm-hmm. And from the sounds of it, it's not a large team. Um, so who currently is part of the the very puzzled team? We obviously know about your co-founder. Yeah. So yeah, just me and a co-founder in the business. So I don't do the design myself. So we, we outsource that. We have a designer that does our illustrations. Um, 
but but then that's that's predominantly it really so it's just us kind of social media fulfilling orders um you know deciding on a strategy in terms of what products or puzzles to do next and and i have a, i do have a cousin in ghana so um i will kind of tell him you know we're going to do you know i don't know a kingston or brooklyn puzzle can you kind of you know figure out what elements should go on there so that's one of the few things i've been able to kind of give to other people so i'm looking to try and delegate more of the work to other people so then I can kind of focus um, on the core bits that, you know, I can bring value to. So even stuff like um, emailing shops. So I'll maybe get a list of bookshops in the UK and I'll just email them, you know, this is our puzzles. We're in John Lewis now. Um, And from that, you might get one or two takers, but it's a challenge because I think you need to really call or you need to actually visit them. Then it maybe makes a bit more sense. And so we looked at maybe trying to get... um, sales reps and having people that you know commission basis because that's quite common in our particular industry in the toy industry um but again finding sales reps is challenging because they're used to just selling specific non-niche products as it were so products that you know just would feature you know uh, yeah just whatever the, the mainstream is in the uk basically Patrick, I would like to think that expensive lessons of the podcast is for entertainment information and education um and that we try to almost demystify being an entrepreneur. And I think you do it. Similar to what Abby mentioned, um, you articulate it in a very nonchalant manner, but there is so much to it. Um, firstly, in terms of your willingness to survey friends and families, is this a good idea? <laughs> do you think it will work? Um, and then su- surveying people again in terms of you surveyed your daughter genuinely to see, okay, does she like this without knowing that I've produced it? Um, sourcing providers many entrepreneurs almost feel that they have to do everything um but you can be the imagination and source a provider a service provider to actually execute it for you um identifying providers in the far east and quality assuring what they are doing finding something which actually is fit for purpose for you then going to events and actually showcasing your product in an event who actually wants you to be there because without you there is no event um, the knowledge of potentially the need for a co-founder at some point and that critical reflection of where I am with my life and what is needed ne- next. All of this, the, these are actions that many could do, and but many do not believe they could. You mentioned that there were a few other businesses prior. Did you always see yourself as an entrepreneur? Um, so good questions. I think maybe I'm a bit reckless and like, I don't mind taking risks. That's, that's my thing. I'm a bit gung ho maybe because I think you can overthink things. And I think a lot of people just simply overthink. And sometimes, I mean, I've, I've kind of woken up in the morning, like before I get up and like, I just overthink and I'm like, just get up and just do one thing. Like, no, why? Like sometimes I'm like, I'm like, but dude, you haven't even sold it yet. It's not even, you know, <laughs> you're worrying about the next hundred things and it's like, well, okay, let's just do the, so try not to overthink. Um, and then the surveying, a, a lot of it's common sense, I think. And maybe it's just the way maybe I was brought up and grounded. Um, I mean, my mom, to her credit, I mean, she worked really hard. She was like a dinner lady and a cleaner at times. She would work like two jobs. So like on weekends, she would like, I'd go to my cousins where she'd go and do like a cleaning job. So we kind of saw not the hardship as such, but, we saw her struggles and she kind of always tried to instill in us, you know, you need to get as best as education as you can and use, you know, 
you might not think you have much, but at least you've, you know, you've got free education here in Ghana, you have to pay, you know, not all kids get to go to school. So, you know, we, we could see that and that was instilled in us. Um, so I think we, we all, I think all my, all my siblings, we all have like some kind of entrepreneurial streak. And I, I always see myself as like, I'm the eldest, but I'm the least successful in my own family. So my sister has her own fashion label, Ohima Ohine. Um, she's been featured on like Netflix, like her, her clothes on their shows. Uh, my brother recently just had like a short film, directed a short film. Um, and that's, that was featured on a uh, platform or, or other. Um, he did like a crowdfunding campaign, raised like, 30k like a year or two ago and my other brother you know drives like a g-wagon and has like property portfolio so um in my family i'm like the least successful so i even try and get my daughter to like spend more time with them and like <laughs> see them because it's like wow okay dad what are you like you're slow you're a slouch like i'm like yeah i know it's life right <laughs> i grew up in a different time where we didn't have the internet where it wasn't so easy to kind of you know but I say that my brother's like, just not that smart, Patrick. I'm like, yeah, probably it's true. Like, you know, so um, so in my in my own family, like, you know, um, <laughs> there's, there's there's huge success, and and uh, hats off to them. I'm I'm really proud of them. I'm gonna, I'm happy for them. And again, you know, I take my daughter to go see them, and like, you know, like they all, you know, one drives a Jaguar, one drives a, a Mercedes, the other drives a, a BMW. I mean, I've just got like a 17 year old Volkswagen Golf. So again, like, you know. <laughs> like they're, they're 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 the inspiration, so they're who she she should go to. But um, I think you, I feel like, I feel like you you've broken down all the steps, but actually you do them one by one, and you you kind of and maybe that's where maybe some of my previous work experience comes in useful. But actually, you just got to take one step at a time and kind of break things down into like the logical steps in terms of what to do. And and you know, I, I don't think they're that difficult if you don't overthink it and just simplify. You know, I need to get something manufactured. We all know when you pick up anything, 90% of the time, it's made in China, right? So you probably know that that's probably one of the places to go. And you've got platforms like Alibaba, just a simple Google search will bring up certain things for you. And then, you know, you can go from there. So um, I think the main thing and the, what I say is, is that belief that I'm going to do it. It's that belief that I'm actually going to start something that's that's the critical part once you believe okay i can do this then everything else kind of comes along with it it's i think people don't start because they just don't believe um and that's mm. it's, it's that mindset to think okay this is worthwhile doing and i can do it or i'm willing to try once you kind of have that then yeah i think everything else would typically fall in sync mm. I, I definitely hear that, that factor of belief being just crucial because it, it will fuel your do now mentality, let's just go for it. Yeah. it. It seems that you've also been aided by your environment. You have go-getters around you, which is crucial to the listeners. I think your environment will influence your actions. Um, you can only do what those around you are potentially doing. But the thing that you haven't mentioned is your authenticity and your humility. You've got a winning formula and I can see why B2B businesses and brands would buy into you. First, because you're a humble guy, real straight talking, um, and you often downplay things. But two, you've got a product which is genuinely beneficial. There is a win-win here. It is not something which is just consumable and disposable and you just move on. But you would want to cherish it. Um, as a parent myself, I know the things that I bought my son that I want to keep for my daughter. And their books. <laughs> it's not the dinosaur toys. Um, and, and that's a winning formula. Abby. Yeah, it's, 
the, I'm struggling here because I think what Patrick has demonstrated is a level of humility, which I think is amazing um, because we all need to be humble. We all need to have a focus on service. Uh, but at the same time, especially in the industry that, 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 that many of us are in, um, as in some cases, black entrepreneurs, there is, some, there is a level of assertiveness required in order for us to be successful, knowing that you've got a good product, knowing that you're part of a strong team, knowing that you're capable. So I'd assume, um, and I hope I'm not speaking for you, Patrick, that you have that knowledge and that confidence in yourself as well. And that's something that I would encourage people. It's a really difficult balance to have humility um, in yourself and being humble about your product. Um, we on expensive lessons always talk about the idea of nobody wanting your stupid box. Start off with the suggestion that nobody likes the, the silly product that you're bringing to market and iterate it to a point where people actually would like to buy it. And that comes from humility. But on the other hand, there's the need to have confidence in yourself, confidence in your product and confidence in confidence in the process so that when people say no to you you're still resilient enough to say well they don't know what they're talking about I'm going to push on so hopefully I'm making sense there Patrick does that would, would could you talk on that very briefly your thoughts yeah absolutely I mean I don't know maybe it's my age and life makes you humble after a certain age I think when I was a lot younger maybe I was a bit more, a bit more reckless a bit more gung-ho um but no I, I feel yeah, we, we definitely all need to be humble. Um, I just feel that there's so many great businesses, uh, black-owned or otherwise, that are just doing really great things. And, you know, one of the things people say, you know, never compare yourself to other people. So I always, like, wish them luck and always, you know, like to see them succeed because I feel ultimately the more of us succeed, the more people see us succeeding, then the more it becomes normal and natural. And then people don't kind of not get affronted, but they expect it. And, you know, it's not unnatural. And then you're not the first one in the door or you're not, you know, they're not, it doesn't feel like a gamble because hopefully me being in John Lewis and doing well, hopefully will lead him to think, well, actually let's find more of this. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, if this is doing well, let's bring in some of the black dolls because obviously we know, we now know there's a market and they're tapped into it. So hopefully it makes it easier for other people coming up behind you. But also I, I just feel that once people get into the psyche, oh, I can buy these, you know, black owned or specific products for my child. You can't, you can't kind of go back once you get into a certain mindset, like, okay, they've got the books now. Okay. Then I've got to get the dolls and I've got to get the puzzles and I've got to get like the TV, you know, you kind of then just start to slowly just, you know, engulf yourself around all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we can build that. And so, yeah, but I mean, maybe it's just again, back, upbringing and background where, you know, we were just told to be like, just brought up to be humble, but I, I don't know. Also, I just feel there's so much out there. It's, Yes, you've got to have some confidence and um, some resilience. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just maybe I'm just not a person that likes to shout and kind of. But but yeah, you're right. You do have to kind of push and go past the nose and you know ask questions and things as well. Well, to to delve into that, I think one thing that could be really valuable to the listeners is: could you tell us about a setback that you've experienced on this road and how you maybe bounced back or responded to that setback? 
Yeah, we've had lots of setbacks, like lots of flaps in the face. And um, one of the biggest ones uh, to tell a story was um, we actually got featured on Dragon's Den. So last year in the midst of the pandemic and everything, um, they reached out to us. So I got the email and I'm like, oh, this is like a fake email, right? So, but I emailed them back and like, we got discussions. And so we, 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 we got on the show, um, we got to present. Um, and in, in the back of my mind, like I had played like, the daydream or the scenario where, you know, all the dragons said yes. And I had, I had to pick between which ones I wanted and stuff. And then like, for some reason, magically the next day I was taking my daughter to school and like all the teachers were like smiling and people like pointing and stuff. And so I was like, and then I could see her being like proud with, with <laughs> me and stuff. And then just driving back in the car after the rejection, I literally just broke down crying because I just felt actually, I know bottom line, my mom, my family is still going to be proud of me, irrespective, regardless and stuff. And so I just literally just had a moment where I was just literally in tears. And I called my mom that evening and just told her because she hadn't even known I'd going on to the show and stuff. Um, and just just to say thank you to her just for everything. And I literally I just broke down in tears. I think she was like really worried about me. She's like, oh, you know, it was quite late. She's like, you know, come. I'm like, I'm, I'm OK. I just wanted to say thank you. Like, and she's like, I don't need a pep talk or anything. Like, oh, I'm so proud. I know that's the whole point. Like. It just, you know, when you're busy doing everything, you don't reflect on like the gratitude and what you're, what, what you're most like thankful for in life. And so, and it was weird because, um, yeah, just, just, just that really just, yeah, I just broke down and, um, and part of it, like, it's just like, oh, I would have prayed for you if you told me before. I'm like, yeah, I knew you'd have done that. I was like, <laughs> like, just like, so that was, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that was like, it wasn't a setback. It was one of those things that I kind of prepared myself. If it doesn't go right, look, it's not the end of the world. They don't know everything. They're not the only investors in the world. You know, even if they say no, hopefully you get shown on TV and that gives you an extra boost. Unfortunately, we didn't get shown. So that was like, um, yeah, that was that was like a pivotal moment. It was just, um, yeah. And, and then you just kind of bounce back and you just realize actually, you know, win, lose or draw, whatever else, you know, life goes on and you can still, you know, continue and you can still be successful. But but he, hearing you talk about that actually sent chills down my spine because, you know, it's such a vulnerable story that you're sharing. But even in the midst of such adversity, your number one response was gratitude. And I can't, I, I can't promote that general approach to, to life anymore. Living your life being grateful, especially in the environment that we live in the West, where we do have these opportunities. We can go from um, not having a business to having a successful business in a matter of days. Um, and we have so many resources at our fingertips. And in, in your case, you've got a wonderful family around you. Um, that gratitude, I think, is something that pushes businesses on and pushes people like you on. And I think, yeah, an encouragement to anyone who is dealing with a challenge or a number of challenges at, at the moment is to, to ask yourself, what, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? What, what has gotten you to this stage where you are dealing with major setbacks? Because to have a major setback normally means that you've got major expectations and major expectations are a gift. Ambition is a gift. So that, that is really encouraging to hear and uh, for you to share. I mean, the, the other major setback we had, um, again, we got a bit over ambitious and um, we spoke to a number of premiership football clubs and we got the license to make puzzles for four premiership clubs. And then we had like big aspirations. Um, so we got Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City and West Ham. 
And we thought, you know, it's a no-brainer. Football puzzles will sell, um, and they haven't. And so we've got, like, we're paying storage and paying all kinds of things. And so that's that's really hurting us. But, um, again, it, it kind of then, because a lot of people look at that and think, uh, we've kind of gotten away from your purpose and kind of your main role of, like, you know, being African-focused and changing the narrative in Africa. Um, and, you know, we've talked about doing non-African and Caribbean puzzles. So we've got like an India puzzle now and we want to do the whole of that sub-region. So Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and we want to, you know, do like a UK one. But people hear that and like, uh, but we fell in love because, you know, very puzzled as African Caribbean. And then part of me is, yes, but we're also a business. And yes, we don't, we're always going to do African Caribbean. That's always going to be a theme. But actually, you know, we see, you know, white English parents and, oh, you do do a New Zealand one or, you know, you should do Wales and things. And so, you know, although they see themselves as the norm all the time and, you know, there's not a lack of representation for them, you know, they would also benefit and like to see, you know, similar products or our range of products catering to them as well. So that's, that's a challenge that we have trying to balance the two and trying to make sure that by doing like an English puzzle that doesn't drown out the African Caribbean ones and how we kind of, you know, balance the two. And at the moment we're just, yeah, we just don't have the, the resources to really effectively execute on, on both, which is why ideally, you know, we would hope that by executing to this level, we could demonstrate that there is traction, that there is uh, a valid business, and then we would get the the support, the investment, the kind of, the, the sales to kind of propel us to do more. But at the moment, that's still work in progress. So we're still kind of trying to do, yeah, different things. I am so tempted to turn this conversation into a workshop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you have wonderful problems, Patrick. W- wonderful, wonderful problems to have. Um, and I think many businesses have been through that where you pivot ever so slightly and talking about the, the Premier League football clubs and it, it doesn't work. And you're challenged to think, well, did it not work because I, I deviated away from my purpose or my niche or where it's meant to be? But in terms of Asia, there are, there's a screaming market there for, mm. for what you're offering. For, for mm. the number of people who are saying, no, don't do that. This is meant to be for us alone. Yeah. There, are more, there are more people saying, what, what you'll produce this for us? Yeah. So, so it, it, it ties for me to your previous comment of now that you are in, in a very comfortable position, scaling is also scaling personnel within your business. Yeah. and hiring in the right roles yeah. and identifying the right individuals who can open up new markets for you. Yeah. The right person who buys into division will open up a market in South Asia, um, largely because they have their own diaspora. And I think that's what has really won. Linking to your point about Jamaica outselling many of the African nations, their diaspora is very strong yeah. and highly influential. Yeah. But as is the Indian one and the Pakistani. So these are, these are wonderful problems to have. Yeah. Exactly. And that's how I look at them uh, as, not, as opportunities and how to effectively execute on those. And, and you're right, with the government's uh, kickstart program, <clears throat> we were able to hire a couple of um, um, employees. So we've got a social media person that manages the social media for uh, the very puzzled sports range. And then we've also got an illustrator um, to help with some of the newer designs. But, um, you know, through like WhatsApp and other things, uh, somebody reached out to us that had some um, experience uh, working with like TK Maxx um, and other um, 
retail channels. So we're hoping that that, that might uh, prove uh, fruitful um, in terms of maybe opening up um, the Middle East uh, market because we, you know, on the whim sort of, we designed um, uh, a, a UAE puzzle. So our idea is look, get the UAE and India puzzle to the Middle East um, and that should sell well. So again, we're trying different things in the background. Um, we did reach out to um, the agent of, of um, a football, a footballer, like quite a high prominent footballer. So we're in discussions with them. Nothing's come off yet. So we're hoping that they might post us on social media and that would lead to us shifting some of the football puzzles that we have, but then also having more of um, a long-term relationship where we can work together in some way and collaborate um, and, and, and do something meaningful. Um, so there's, there's exciting things in the, in the background, um, but I think now as well, things take longer to execute. They're not maybe as quick and we're not, we're not able to share them as, as readily as we can because I, I always don't like to share anything until either the money's in the bank or, you know, it's done. And then people are like, oh, but you don't share, you don't like, you know, you don't share the journey enough. And like part of it is like, I'm like scared and nervous and like all over the place. And we kind of throw so many things out there and we're so busy doing so many things and maybe 10, 20% of those things actually come off. So we don't want to get our own hopes up as well as other people's hopes because mm. it can be a roller coaster because um, people promise you things. And then, yeah, I, I yeah, you can kind of think, okay, this is going to be great and um, life's going to change. Yep, we're going to build that conservatory now. We're going to extend the loft. And then it's actually, no, you need to just think like that's not going to happen and just continue as normal because you just then you know, the crash that comes afterwards is like, oh man, now I'm just low because I had such high expectations. So um, it's tr trying to remain level-headed and yeah, that's, that's the thing. Many of my subsequent questions are going to be for another time or offline because they are around a workshop. There are so many wonderful problems that you have um, and so many off-the-cuff solutions should, which could be shared, even if they're to be ignored. Um, the last question I'll ask you because you've already shared what I believe is your most expensive lesson, is where would you like Very Puzzle to go? Um, that's a really great question. I think for me, ultimately, I think what I'm looking at, um, and one of the big topics, um, I guess, is generational wealth um, and, you know, multiple streams of income, and that's like a big thing in a community. My grand vision somewhere at the back of my mind is, you know, in 100 years, they're still a very puzzled um, and, you know, my great-great-grandchildren or my great-great-grandniece or, or, or nephew or whoever is, is heading up that company and they've just got opportunities. Because if you look at the biggest puzzle company, Ravensburger, they've been going for over 100 years. There's another one in the UK, Gibson Toys. They've been going for like 101 years. Um, and like the chairperson or the MD is like the great-granddaughter of the original founder. So for me, um, just to be remembered and to have like my great, great granddaughter. Cause my daughter doesn't, she's like, nah, you know, I've got my own things that on like set up my own um, vet veterinary practice. I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. It's not for you. I'm not going to push. Um, but maybe, you know, your children or your children. So that that's ultimately the end goal. Like, cause I think in this day and age, it's all about scale and exit. And that's, that's all you hear, like exit, 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 exit. And for me, it's part of like, yeah, maybe that's just not my, that's not my goal really to exit for me. Even if, you know, we make 50,000 a year, 100,000 a year, and I'm, I can live comfortably. 
but that my daughter can finish school, go university or not go university, but actually she can, because for me, it's like, this is the best education you're going to get. Like <laughs> spending time with me and being in a business, that's the best education you'll ever get. Like for any other child, like nephew or niece, and I wish that my daughter or whoever could then go to my sister and learn fashion or learn or learn property from my, and, and my nephews and nieces can do similar thing that like we can just like cross pollinate and like learn from mm. each other's families and what each is doing for, cause for me it's like sitting in the classroom with like 20 other kids is great. And I've done, I've, and I've done a master's, I've got an MBA, right? So I'm not against education, but there's been times where the deliveries come at like 6.30 and I've got like, I don't know, 50 or hundred boxes that I've got to put in. I'm like, you don't learn that from business school. <laughs> you know, like there's graph that you've got to do. There's just work. And that's what I think a lot of people mistake entrepreneurship for. Like there's just work that you have to do. And like, you just got to roll up your sleeve and do the work. There's no substitution. There's no outsourcing. There's always going to be, and, and for me, ultimately to answer your question yeah i want 100 years or more i want there to be still very puzzled and someone in my direct lineage my direct descendants that can actually benefit so for them whatever the economic state of the world is at that time they've got some kind of opportunity where it's like oh actually i can go and work in a family business um, obviously you need to be competent and capable and able so you, but at least you know i can go and work in that family business I need to get myself to this aptitude and there's this opportunity for me. And actually you might say, well, no one deals with physical puzzles anymore that, you know, great grand uncle, whoever did. Now we're going to pivot and do like virtual reality or whatever, but actually they've got that opportunity. And that's the, some of the things that maybe some of us lacked. We didn't have that opportunity. So we had to go and forage and find our own opportunity. And, you know, we maybe have to work in environments where it's not, maybe not overly hostile to us, but actually, it doesn't have to be hostile, but if it's not nurturing, you're not going to thrive. And so, you know, we're not using our best skills and we're not, we're not thriving in these environments. Um, and so I want to have that place where they've got the opportunity, where they can thrive, where they can make mistakes, where they can learn. And that's, that's my ultimate goal. So that's why for me, it's not scaling to sell to exit as the, as the key. And maybe it is, maybe someone offers me, you know, too much that it's hard to turn down, but maybe I can then put that into other things that I can still develop something that actually, okay, you've got opportunities because I don't just want to hand her, you know, money. Actually, you've got to work and do something worthwhile with your skills and your talents because I, I believe somewhere we will have, you know, something that we can give. Um, and even if it's not in my business, you could do, you know, your own thing and it doesn't even have to be business, but it's, can I give you the opportunity to, to do something? And that's, that's the key for me, I think. And you're doing it. Yeah. You okay. have, and, and, your, and your mother has developed a very powerful ecosystem, which is, which cross pollinates. And she is in that environment where she can say, well, they all do these great things, but I'm doing this, which is to be a vet. I know that's challenging, but I can, because I've seen what my dad does. Yeah. Um, many people who read entrepreneurial books come across the statement that entrepreneurs really shape and change the world um, and that they're highly influential and I think people listening to you will understand why that is true you are creating change you are bringing about something which those who are just sitting stagnant doing things that they're not interested in doing would dream to be able to do so whilst it's challenging whilst it's it's almost uncertain 
it is incredible and will be highly fruitful. Um, Abby, for final words. Uh, well, uh, back with a bang. I mean, our first episode back and so many gems. And Patrick, I just want to say thank you so much for the insight that you shared. I think no matter where you are in your entrepreneurial journey, there's some takeaways here. I think if you're a new entrepreneur, the message is simple that you can do it. Patrick is an IT consultant and uh, has been able to, to manage that and also deliver a a business which is changing people's lives or changing people's even perceptions of themselves. And it started from humble beginnings, but it's growing. Um, also the importance of asking the right people, the right questions. When you do have an idea, making sure that you're around people who are your customers and just testing certain ideas and suggestions with them, always with the mindset of service, serving people. Is this something that you would benefit from? Would you gain joy from it? Would you be happier? If you're an existing entrepreneur, I think we spoke about that balance of humility and confidence, always asking the question, does anyone want to buy this? Do we need to shift, pivot, change our approach in order for us to, to still be relevant to our consumers? Um, but also the importance of surrounding yourselves by, with the right people. Patrick has a very successful family and I'm sure that has no, has, has, is no in small part responsible for some of his trajectory and some of his, his growth. Um, and I think for, for, for many people, um, we, we often look around us and don't see much inspiration. So by surrounding us with inspirational people, it could be that extra push that you need to, to develop, to move on. And finally, just for parents, I mean, that message around modeling the behavior that you want to see in your children is absolutely vital. We all want the best for our children, but are we willing to put in the work so that we can actually demonstrate what is possible, demonstrate the art of the possible? And also just remembering that we are not necessarily the end of that journey. I love it when Patrick talks about having something that his children or his children's children or even his children's children's children are developing and growing so we may plant the seed but it may be for the next generation to water it to grow it and to 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 reap the benefit and i think that mindset of us not being the end of the journey but the beginning is something especially in a black community that i think we can all benefit from so from me, a lot of really useful and powerful gems. I'm very grateful for your time, uh, Patrick. And to the people listening, uh, I was going to say I hope, but I know that you took away something useful here. This has been another episode of Expensive Lessons, where company directors join forces to share with you the lessons that we've learned over um, many experiences. Patrick is our first Dragon's Den attendee. Um, and uh, regardless of the outcome there i definitely know he is a success and first and foremost i know his daughter is proud of him so join us next time for another episode of expensive lessons have a great week take care god bless